0: When people think about SEO, they think about the technicalities of it and manipulation And when in fact, what you're doing on the PR side fits in really, really well with SEO because Google in the last five years has pushed really, really heavy for making websites user-friendly and creating a better user experience. So at the end of the day, if, from with what you're doing, as it relates to PR, you're trying to pr- create a better overall user experience for the brands you work with.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. My name is Lisa Beyer, and I will be your host. Today's guest, I have Brett Lane, and we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics. SEO and public relations. So today I catch up with Brett and we talk about on-page SEO, some do's and don'ts when it comes to press releases and SEO, Google My Business, which actually could be part of your PR strategy if it's not already, listen to this episode, metadata, and what exactly does that mean anyway, and everything you need to know about some of the latest and greatest when it comes to Google. So let me introduce and welcome Brett Lane. Welcome to another episode of Social PR Secrets. I'm here today with Brett Lane, and he is our SEO expert guest today to give us all the ins and outs that public relations and digital marketers need to know, or maybe they don't need to know. Maybe it's myths that we're going to be uncovering here, or misconceptions or outdated information, which happens. Hey, Brett, how's it going? I'm well, how are you? Very good. Very good. So SEO outsourcing is what I see in your background. What is SEO outsourcing? And tell us a little bit about your background. I know that you have, I think, two decades of experience in SEO, which is um, basically SEO from the beginning, right? Yeah,
0: it's pretty close. I've been in the industry for 18 years. Anybody who's been in says past 20 plus. It's kind of hard because Google wasn't even, I don't think Google's even 22 years old. So I've been, I am like an old school person in terms of my particular industry. And SEO outsourcing is one of my SEO companies. We've got two different ones. One focuses more on providing uh, Client services for other agencies. And then another one is for specific clients. So SEO outsourcing helps whether you're it's an agency, whether it's a PR firm or whatever, anybody who wants to get additional rankings, our company comes in and just provides solutions soup to nuts from on-site SEO to off-site SEO. So the whole basically the, the whole gamut.
1: So let's just start with what is the difference between on-site SEO and off-site SEO for those that might not know that terminology.
0: Mm-hmm. So when most people think of SEO, they think about on-site SEO, the components where you look at things like the, your URLs, your domain name, site.com. There's things that you can do to it. There's things that you can do with the content on your website to make sure that it's friendly to Google and it's friendly to consumers because you don't want to do one versus the other. It's never good for SEO. So it's things like how many words are you writing? What type of content are you writing? Are you writing it to solve a problem? Are you writing it to attract users to answer questions? You know, looking at things like, is your site secure? So like when you look at sites where it's HTTP or HTTPS, Google looks at those those security issues and says, hey, is this a site that is more secure or has more trust? You know, something really old school like title tags and meta descriptions. You know, Google will, will use it sparingly. And if you write them well, they can use those elements. If you don't write them well, they will create their own. And I've seen instances where like banks have come in and wrote information incorrectly and it literally would state in their description tag that they are not an FDIC insured Institution. I saw that with one bank in Ohio about 15 years ago. So there it's all the odds and ends of communicating effectively with Google um, and not trying to, to sway them or manipulate anything. It's really like, what are all those little things that you can do to make your site friendly? And just a couple of quick points. You know, having a website that is mobile friendly is huge because Google's database, if you will, is being pulled from, from the mobile sphere. So, so back in the days used to be desktops and more of that type of a search database where now it's mobile. So if your site isn't mobile friendly or it's not responsive, meaning your site can show to users whether, you know, correctly, whether they're on a tablet, on a phone or on a computer. So there's, there's a lot of components to that, but it's, it's really old school SEO and, you know, the content and the communication with Google. That's the first, the first half.
1: I feel like before you go to the next part, talking about mobile friendly, I feel like we've been saying this for, I mean, at least 10 years. And it's really, it's really unbelievable that there are still so many sites that are not mobile friendly, that it's crazy. And and from a PR perspective, you want, you're going to lose people. I mean, it's, it's bad PR to not have your, your site mobile friendly or even secure. Like you're going to, lose people from coming to your site because security issues, you know, Google gives Mm -hmm. the warning now if you're not HTTPS. So these are all actually, even though they're SEO, they also are something that influences the, the positive PR of a brand.
0: I think that's that's a really good point because when people think about SEO, they think about the technicalities of it and manipulation. And when in fact, what you're doing on the PR side fits in really, really well with SEO because Google in the last five years has pushed really, really heavy for making websites user-friendly and creating a better user experience. So at the end of the day, if from with what you're doing, as it relates to PR, you're trying to create a better overall user experience for the brands you work with. In SEO, that's the same thing we're doing right now. We're looking at how do you create a much better user experience when a person visits the site, when they communicate with that site, they interact. If you're doing those things, then you're going to create that user experience. So I think it's a really good fit in for what you're doing on the PR side.
1: Definitely, definitely. So now I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead to your next part that you were going to make, the point you're going to make.
0: So on the other half is as it relates to offsite. So most people, when they think about SEO, um, sorry, sometimes I get ahead of myself. Very exciting.
1: <laughs> it is <But> exciting.
0: <laughs> on I'm the, very passionate uh, about it. On the offsite standpoint, that's really where you're getting other people to build links to your website. And in my opinion, this is one of the hardest things that a person can do for SEO. Um, there's tons of agencies out there that, do on site, they do off site, but most people when they think about SEO, it's purely what am I doing on my site wrong? So basically in my opinion, if you're doing it right, you have to have have a small army of people out there communicating just like you would on the PR side, reaching out to people and getting them to link to your site. We've all seen links, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram, where we're just communicating from one place to another. That's basically all that a backlink is. But when you do it in mass, You have to do it or at scale, you have to do it in a way that's not going to throw up any triggers to Google. So in a few minutes, when we make that bridge over to talking more about the PR side and does it work for press releases um, from an SEO standpoint, there's a couple of really good points that I'm going to make in relation to that tie in, because what used to work really well with press releases is not working quite as well, but it still does work if you are very strategic with it. You got to know where you're going to be getting links from. You have to know how old those sites are. Are they authoritative? Is the messaging on point from a content perspective? Is the theme all right? You know, If I'm going after mom bloggers or selling a product, like when I worked with Fisher Price about 12 years ago, the mom blog space was huge. So we had to create content that fit the mom blog space. And we also could find, you know, dad bloggers or crafting bloggers. And you look at all those variations of people who are in that space. So it's really about who you have to communicate with. How do you communicate with them? Getting them to agree to spread your message. And then just making sure once you've done all of that, making sure Google finds it. Because if Google doesn't recognize those links, then you've wasted your time. You've wasted your time at the end of the
1: day. Definitely. Yes, definitely. So when it comes to, maybe you can kind of like break it down. So there's press releases that are done strategically. And today they aren't necessarily an SEO strategy. From an SEO perspective, there are a PR strategy, but there is an SEO component to that you can still apply to press releases along like along with, as long as we're following Google's best practices. So we're mm-hmm. not being spammy with links when we're doing a press release distribution. Can you give some other tips when it comes to different strategies that we can use on a press release that would help get more exposure?
0: Well, one thing I will point out, use you, you can still use PRs, from a link building standpoint, as a strategy, you just have to be very creative. And and I usually I look at it from like a backdoor approach. So a couple of years, maybe about five years ago, people used to spam and create what are called link bombs, where they would go in and write a good PR, they would put in that anchor text, like product, the product plus city or whatever that product name was, and then they would get 500 to 1000 backlinks. And then Google said, Hey, this is being spam. So let's change the rules. Well, what we're seeing right now is if you're able to go out and create links from a like site.com perspective or branded link, in some cases, you may have too many links pointing to your site where there's too many keywords being used. Maybe let's say you worked with an SEO company two years ago. They build a whole bunch of links for PR firm online or PR firm you know, Atlanta or whatever that keyword is. And now when you, when you have an SEO company, look at your, your link portfolio, you, it shows that there's too many links coming to your site, which is throwing a red flag to Google. What I would do is say to a company, hey, let's create three or four or five press releases that are all relevant to your business, distribute them over time. And in that content, at the very bottom, we're going to link to your site as a site.com link. There's nothing being done that's spammy you're also able to create what's called a nap listing a name address phone number listing
1: so sorry i just want to back up for people that might not understand what you're saying so when you say site.com you're saying you're, you mean the name of the the, the domain.com mm-hmm.
0: like seo right? outsourcing.com like,
1: or the buyer group.com or socialprsecrets.com yeah. so at the end of the press release. All you would put is the maybe the naked link like literally the http mm-hmm. dot www or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> like the whole link right so that's gonna when, be you, your when you're saying site.com i just want to make sure everybody understands you're saying site.com you're basically saying whatever your brand domain is.com that that's mm-hmm. going to go at the end of the press release and that is a best practice
0: correct and the reason i say that is you're not trying to manipulate anything you're basically just getting a link to your site now what i mentioned earlier about name address and phone number links those are really good in terms of building a more authority with Google because they show Google you have an actual business with a true listing. So whenever you do your press releases, I think it also makes sense at the bottom to, to list out the name of your business, your address, your phone number, and then at the bottom, the, 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 the link to your site. And every time you do that, that's called an unstructured citation. It's really good because now you're building links and it's one way that you can actually build links in mass. Google's not gonna get mad at you if you build hundreds of citations because what it does, citation, I'll step back. A citation is basically just a link pointing to your site that makes reference to your business information. Name, address, phone number, city, state, zip, very, very basic. To Google that shows authority, you've been around. When you have consistency of that across the internet, it shows you're not some person who's fly by the seat, pants come, You know, company coming in. So you want to build out those kinds of links. And the, the whole purpose of this whole strategy is in building links like that, what you're doing is you're diluting the total number of links on your site that, and you're doing that for that purpose. I mentioned a minute ago, oh, you've built, let's say you built 300 backlinks to your site and they all say online PR firm and you only have 500 links to your site. To Google, that looks so unnatural. They're like, this company is really trying to manipulate rankings. So let's say you, Lisa, go out and you you create a press release and you build 500 new backlinks. Well, now those are all just regular backlinks to your site. So now you have 1,000 backlinks pointing to your site. And out of those 1,000, now only 300 are using that keyword. So we do it from a standpoint of trying to take away a little bit of the focus on Google from a negative standpoint. So you can dilute those numbers. So it's really at the end of the day, just a way of saying to Google, hey, we're trying to make our link portfolio, if you will, all the number of links that point to us look as natural as possible. We've been doing that with clients on the PR side for a number of years, because sometimes they come to us and they're like, hey, the company we worked with, they built too many links. It looks really unnatural. How do we still get the buzz? How do we build links? So then we go in and there we do, you know, maybe in a year we might do between you know, five to ten press releases, if in fact we can get good information about that business.
1: Yeah. Well, we we like to recommend, you know, if if there's news to report on, at least once every once a month or once every four to six weeks, a paid yeah. distribution. And same strategy is putting the the naked URL at the end. We also love your opinion on this. We also put the URL at the very beginning after the first reference of the brand name. So there's mm-hmm. two links. There's one at the very front loaded at the beginning and one at the very end. And we just feel like just from a like front, front loading, you know, right at the top, if somebody wants to learn more, they can just click right through. It's more from a user standpoint.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is your opinion on that?
0: I think it's good. I mean, you can't, I mean, you, if, you, if you go crazy with the amount of external links that you have, it's going to look unnatural, but like with what you said, this is a PR, you make an inference of the brand, you have a link directly to the brand, and at the end, you're following up. You're kind of creating a link sandwich. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's not necessarily a bad thing to create that because you are increasing their user experience. The only thing I would add to that, I mean, you're probably already doing this, but when you go out and do your your press releases, if you have the ability to add in videos or images, add those in, that's the part I think you're already doing. One thing that I think you may not be doing, there's there's something called EXIF data, E-X-I-F data. Now, all that is, is the metadata that sits behind images and videos. So I can guarantee you there's not a lot of PR firms and even a lot of website um, SEO companies who are taking each individual image or video that they are syndicating and they're pulling them into a program, an EXIF data editor, and they're tweaking things like you can tweak the title of the image, the description of the image. And if you're a local business per se, let's say you're you're promoting a company that's in Atlanta, Georgia, in that particular EXIF data, you can put the longitude and the latitude of that particular business in every single file you submit.
1: That is a great social PR secret, for sure. SEO PR secret, I should say. So, okay, so one thing that we are doing is we do name the file name, the image file Mm -hmm. name, um, you know, with some sort of a keyword phrase that makes sense with that news. But how do you add a meta description to, to the actual image file or video
0: file? So you can go to Google and type in free EXIF data editor. And okay. there is, and I can get, I can get you a list of a few that I use. Yeah, We, we'll put them we do the- them in, in bulk. There's a company called mass optimizer mm-hmm. pro. Okay. And they are in the UK. Now, if you're okay. doing a lot of images, mass optimizer pro, you pay like 400 bucks, 500 bucks, and they give you a lifetime license and you can optimize. My team optimizes hundreds upon hundreds of images every single month. So there's free versions online. And then there's, there's mass optimizer pro.
1: Okay, that is really a good a great tip. I did not know that that you could do that to that extent. So, definitely, we'll include those the links to those sources in the show notes.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I've seen what I what I've seen different. One quick case study for you. Yeah. In relation to image optimization, we've taken there's a Google My Business. Basically, it's like a business listings. Everybody mm-hmm. knows. The cool thing about, the and I, we call them GMBs, GMB listings, if you are a local business and you optimize, let's say you, you upload 50 images of your website up into your, to your GMB account and you optimize every single one of those images, the names, the alternative text, like you're already doing, all the EXIF data where you can. I've literally seen instances on three different websites where we've taken 50 images and uploaded them into the GMBs And when you look at the number of people viewing those images based on their competitors, on average, the difference is about 350% of an increase in views on someone's images within their GMB. Now, the reason that's important is people are seeing these images through Google's My Business. They're seeing it through maybe map listings. They're seeing it through Google's image search. So just that one strategy, we've seen people increase their number of viewed images by three. I've seen it as high as 700%. You're doing nothing different except optimizing the EXIF data for images, and your image views will skyrocket.
1: I love that. I love that tip. So another thing I wanted to get your point of view on is and I'm building a course called Modern PR Secrets, and we just actually were going over the different strategy of the press release and then how the the point of the press release, the overall point of the press release is really to attract media attention to get third-party coverage from a top-tier media outlet or a local media outlet, online publications. And within that that type of editorial coverage then would hopefully become, you would get a mention that might include a link or maybe it's just a brand mention. So Mm -hmm. talk to us about those types of authoritative links and how those play into the SEO, you know, a positive thing with SEO?
0: Oh, absolutely. the There's this there's this idea known as domain authority. There's all there's different companies that have their own types of domain authority. Basically all it is, is a scale of one to a hundred. The closer you get to a hundred, the more authority you have. So a site like Forbes has a domain authority of about 94, 95. Different sites have different ranges and I always tell people, If you can get mentions of your brand on these bigger sites with more domain authority, and they also look at it from a page standpoint. So page authority is also another factor. So the goal is to get as many links as you can from high quality sites where they make some kind of reference to your brand to build your overall authority. So yeah, if you can get a higher number of those kinds of sites linking to you, awesome. One of the things that I've actually been testing this last six months is i have access to be able to get backlinks on edu sites so i can get sites you know really big colleges we're able to get you know content syndicated so what i've started doing is i've I've utilized press releases now for a couple of our clients and i've said hey i know that press releases can have the same content submitted on the same kinds of sites and the data can be duplicate you're not going to have any issues with it unless you go if you go crazy, all Google's gonna do is say, hey, we're not gonna give that much relevancy towards a few of those links because there's too many of the links on the same type of content. So what I've done is I've taken a press release from our client sites and said, let's get that press release on 10 or 15 different EDU sites. Now, EDU EDU sites or college or university sites typically carry a domain authority from like 40 to I have access to of about authority of 40 to 92. So what I'm finding is you can either take a, you know, utilize a strategy for link building where you're, you're putting out content and you're hoping and praying that someone links to it from another, you know, major site, it gets picked up, or what you can do is just find access to someone like myself or someone like you who can get access to these, these college sites. When you
1: say get access to the college site. So I'm just picturing it to be like you would, maybe pitch a content editor at one of the, the colleges, maybe blog, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure like, for example, University of Florida probably has like maybe a hundred different blogs, depending on the department, you know, Mm -hmm. with the, the college of journalism, the college of business, the college of agriculture, they have their own content that would be either for alumni or for students. So are you saying to pitch maybe the editor of one of those content outlets to possibly run one of those press releases, like take one of those press releases and repurpose it? Is that what you're saying? Or when you say access, what does that mean?
0: So basically it's taken me about seven years just to get access to editors and college students who have access to these blogs on colleges. Okay. So, you know, like I we have access to Stanford and students and these are the hardest links on the planet to get because to be able to go in and do a post on a blog on Harvard's website or Yale or you know USC. You have to show your student and have a token that gets sent to you from the college. So we've spent tons and tons of time getting access to college students and people who have access to these universities. So I'll send them information and say, hey, I've got a story. I just want you guys to put it up. You know, let's say it's a a general blog on USC's website. And I just want this information um, for a client as a PR put onto that site because it's really good information. So typically, when you write a story, here's the here's the positive. When you write a story and you pitch it, you know, from a PR standpoint, it takes lots of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes time to write it. And then you send it, you pitch it, you wait for them to edit it, you edit it. And it could be up to 30 days to get that up.
1: Oh, yeah. Or more.
0: Or more. Yeah, that's (laughs) if you're lucky. Or or never. (laughs) Yeah. So the key there is, I can go out and send the same exact news release to one of these college editors and get it up in less than two weeks. I'll have it up in a week. And then the challenge really just becomes getting Google to recognize those links. Mm -hmm. Because now you're getting links from college sites that are like EDUs of 80s and 90s, which is just as authoritative as getting a link on Forbes um, or business.com or any of these really huge sites. So the gist of me saying this is you have to come up with very creative ways of getting your content seated whether it's on a, as a guest blog or an online PR or, or so forth.
1: And so when you say creative ways, I just want to underline what I think you mean when you say creative and it needs to be a good match. I mean this this mm-hmm. the student editors aren't going to just take your press release or take your article and just like and publish it unless it makes sense for their for their publication or for their for their outlet and for their audience right?
0: Yeah, it's like a 50-50 split because mm-hmm. some of the colleges are very specific to a certain niche. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of the colleges are basically have blogs that are very general where mm-hmm. you have people posting things from like, you know, CBD oil or whatever to, you know, mm-hmm. health or to mom issues or dad issues or voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you are right. It's, it's a yes. It's a yes and no answer. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they will accept things that are more broad, um, more general because, they, you, you don't have, you know, if it's a if it's a blog for USC and it's the, the general blog for USC, a student can put any piece of content they want, on, as long as it's not porn or something that's that's going to be offensive and hate crimes or things of that nature. So yeah, it, it's it's a bit okay. of both.
1: Yeah, and I, I would think that I mean, you know, you have to balance it out, but ideally the ones that are the good fit. probably the ones that are going to eventually like have the staying power and that's what i've seen in in my Mm -hmm. opinion i mean it kind of the ones that are more general they might eventually you know get edited down or or you know maybe google's not going to recognize those one day so I, I always like to say, you know, go for the highest quality possible and and have a
0: balance. Yeah. I mean, in, in, when you're reaching out to a larger number of places, you know, you're not going to get, obviously the response rates are going to vary, but it depends on the relationships you have with editors and your network. So for me, almost two decades of of doing SEO, I've spent probably out of that, those 18 years, I've spent about 15 of them networking with other people who can get me access to what I like to call hitting critical mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I love to be able to, it's like you, you hit critical mass with a PR when that sucker takes off and it's picked up by three, four, five, eight hundred, 800, a thousand news outlets. You're like, I hit a home run
1: mm-hmm. for me.
0: Hitting a home run is being able to say, I have one piece of content or, and I can pitch to a whole bunch of websites and say, Hey, I need you guys to look at this content and either rewrite it, put your own spin on it, do a product review. And then I get back a ton of yes, yes. We will syndicate that because it's really good content.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it also starts with that really good content. So when you're actually like, we should actually maybe talk about the first step is writing the good content and then whether it's syndicating it or doing a paid distribution or even pitching directly personally, you know, via email to different editors that it needs to start with quality newsworthy content that makes sense and isn't just like a, promotional piece of content that's more for a website marketing you know portion of it right
0: mm-hmm. yeah i agree and and i do think that for some the i where i draw the line is in some cases companies can only be so newsworthy so like in my case i work with a ton of small medium sized businesses and we work with a lot of large businesses the larger ones it's easier to come up with news if you're like an hvac professional and you're in Thornton, Colorado, and you are, you are providing a new service to people in your area, it's not going to be as newsworthy as Big Brand AX that is offering this brand new project in the, in the stem cell industry. So I, I, my idea on that is come up with news as creative as you can, put the best news spin that you can on it without just pushing information to flood the search results. Now, depending on your industry, whether, like I said, if you're very technical or you're in a huge brand, it's much easier. We have to get very, very creative with companies that are service-based businesses. Like a lot of cases, it might just be things in which the business is doing to impact their community. Like, what are you doing for people during certain things? Like, is it newsworthy? Does anyone care? Should they care? And if they can care, then I tell them, hey, let's promote that news online, but let's be as authentic as possible. Because I think people, Lisa, can, they can sense, if you're not being authentic and you're just creating news for creating it, they're gonna redo that really quickly.
1: Definitely, definitely. Hello, oh, wait, is this thing on? Hi, it's Lisa Beyer. I just wanted to tell you really quick, I'm launching a course called Modern PR Secrets, and I wanted you to be the first to know. You can check it out at thebuyergroup.com under resources. Now let's get back to this interview. And let's just also talk about how it's much more difficult to get, you know, page one of of Google, like in general, and then Google News, because Google is now monopolizing page one with their own kind of products. And Mm -hmm. I really see Google My Business as as a great PR advantage to take advantage of that page one of real estate with posts and different and and photos and things like that. You know, can you talk a little bit about that and any other ways that you see in getting getting some real estate on page one of Google in an editorial fashion? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're a local business and you want to promote content, posting it out to your GMB is really good. There is a software called GMB Briefcase. It's another very good really good product, GMB Briefcase. What I love about that platform is you can put content into it and you can feed it like you would Hootsuite, and it posts content strategically to your GMB all on autopilot. It's a very low cost. I've 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 looked at probably about ten different providers. In my opinion, it's the most low cost and most effective form of doing that. And the the, the cool thing about that is. Not only are you doing it from an automated standpoint after you fed the machine, you're giving people access to your news and you're putting it to where when they read and they see a snippet of your information within those maps listings at the very bottom, they're going to be able to see information related to your press releases. So you can either do it as a post there, there's post archives. I mean, it's a great way of getting local businesses more exposure and you're absolutely right. Google is trying to, they're cannibalizing their, their their search platform. I mean, it's like, oh, before, you know, when they came up with zero search, probably a couple of years ago where they came in and you see the, the listings at the very top above all the other organic listings, it was like a, a snippet of data. And then beneath it, it would go to the guy that's in like the first or second link. It's almost like, I know Google, you're trying to give people good information as quickly as you can, but now you're taking up. You know, before you used to show information about travel sites and now you have your own section about traveling with airfare and hotels. So yeah, they're doing all that they can to take up as much of their own real estate. And you gotta get creative with those platforms. So maybe it's like you mentioned, taking um, images that were submitted in the PRs and then optimizing the EXIF data and then submitting those images on, on your website and getting them picked up by Google image. Now you have online real estate in terms of your images. You can do the same thing with your videos now you can now you can be found on google videos and then also that gets pulled into youtube since google owns youtube and it's the second in my opinion it's like between the second and third largest search engine really depends on you, you what the user intent is you know you regular search google search based off of buying intent amazon video search more people are going to go to YouTube than they are going to go to Google videos. So they're going to find a video in Google videos that goes to, to YouTube. So cre- my strategy over the years has always been create as many assets as you can and give every asset its own distribution point. So this pod, we're doing a podcast. You can do you can take podcasts and you can transcribe the information and you can put it on your website. Now you have a blog post. You have a video. We're doing this as a video. Now you have a video you can syndicate. You can take the video, extrapolate the audio, Now you have audio that you can syndicate. Each one of those places has its own set of distribution points. You can submit a podcast to 50 podcast directories. Same exact thing with images. There's probably about 20 image sites that you could submit to. So as long as you're creating a distribution point for every asset you have, you're going to win the game of SEO.
1: Yes, I agree. And I actually have a section in my module three called repurposing and what you just described, you described it as dis- distribution, but it's also repurposing content, slicing and dicing. I, I think podcasts done with video is just, I mean, a huge starting point for being able to have content that can be then sliced and diced into and repurposed and distributed amongst you know the different social channels and search engines.
0: I agree. I agree. It's the easiest way to, to take content you already are creating and just disseminated into the, into the the web.
1: Yeah. And just speaking to the point about Google and the, the chances of page one are becoming more and more competitive. You can also reverse engineer um, something. And I've like, just for example, was searching for something that I know it exists out there, but people just brands are just not optimizing for the keyword phrase. Mm -hmm. So if it's like a very typical, let's just say like, you know, red athletic, running shoes or something like that. Like that's going to be hard, but something that is more unique that maybe, you know, you're a small startup or a small business. If you, the the playing fields are really level between large companies and small companies when it comes to SEO, especially if it's something unique. So I just, you know, always want to make sure that, brands that are just starting out realize the power of SEO if you really take the time to optimize your site. And I see it as something that gets skipped a lot. You know, people, brands go straight to advertising and and instead of really trying to optimize a site for especially very unique types of businesses, products, and services, where it's not, maybe not as competitive on page one of Google.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are called long tail keyword phrases. And you're absolutely right. When we have clients that are working from a smaller budgets, and they're looking at being very niche based, we say, hey, why should you try to own a very small piece of a very large pie when you can own a much larger piece of a smaller pie? and you know you can rank for those keywords faster there's a lot less competition but the key thing there is when a customer finds a business based on those longer tail those are like a two to three word you know three word and basically when you're able to go so it could be like you said nike running shoes or athletic women's running shoes that's four words mm-hmm. but you know what if there's 300 people or 100 people or 50 people who search for that and you get a person you get a site to rank for that keyword phrase By the time the customer finds your brand for that keyword, we already know they're not looking for just running shoes. They're not looking for women's shoes. They're looking for a particular color, a particular brand, or a particular style. So your chance of getting them to convert once they find you is so much higher. So traffic is lower, yes. The conversion rate potential is way higher. So that's a great point.
1: I love that. Well, we are about out of time, Brett. This has been, I can sit here and talk all day with you about SEO and PR and and just all the kind of ins and outs and trends, but maybe we'll invite you back and come on again. But we'd love also if you could share any worksheets that we talked about earlier cheat sheets that we can look at. Mm -hmm. And I loved some of your, your points about PR press releases, link building. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to ask you, maybe you can be a guest in my Facebook group for my class. My okay. course on Modern PR Secrets, I think that would be good too. But thank you so much. Are you going to be speaking anywhere? Do you have any events coming up? Where can everybody follow you?
0: So it, the easiest way I mean, to, to find information about myself is just brett, S as in Stephen, lane.com. I've got a lot of information. I'm spending a lot more time this year doing podcasting because I love interacting with people. I love, you can tell like I'm going in and describing this information. You don't find too many people who have a lot of energy when it comes to SEO. You get a lot of people who are hiding behind computers. So I love having these conversations. So this year I'm going to be spending a ton of time doing a lot more podcasts. And then when things open up, I'm thinking probably beginning part of 2022, I'll start doing more, more speaking engagements.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure and have a great rest of your week. Namaste. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Take care. Listening to this episode of Social PR Secrets. If you like what you heard, check out the book on Amazon or follow our blog at socialprsecrets.com. This episode was sponsored by The Buyer Group, a social PR agency striving to keep our balance in the digital world, practicing public relations, social media, and search marketing, while occasionally drinking a glass of wine or two for the best creativity and results. Thank you all for tuning in. If you would like to get a free chapter of Social PR Secrets, Go to socialprsecrets.com slash free.